much love. Oh, girl, you've got to know what my head overlooks the senses will show. To my heart, when it's watching for a line, you can't escape. My private eyes, they're watching ya. They see your every move. It's episode 25, season three of Ravage Love. Hi, Julie. Hi, Renee. I'm going to guess, is your book set in Minnesota this week, by chance? Well, you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's set in Wisconsin, but, oh, it's Wisconsin. you know, their, their accents are pretty close. I yeah. watched, I watched a number of videos from, <laughs> from different dialect coaches about how to do their accent. And it, it's really just Fargo. It's just Fargo, <laughs> honestly. So. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely provides the necessary intrigue for this week's theme, which is intrigue. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so if you're new to the pod, me and my dear friend Renee here every week, we read two books on the same theme and then we talk about them. And mm-hmm. this week's theme is intrigue, which could have taken us in many different directions. And I'm sorry to say, Renee, mine went in a bad direction. Oh, no. Mine sucks. Well, <laughs> really? Oh, How was long was your book? Um, great little question. It's a little under 300 pages. Okay. Yeah. All right. How long was yours? Uh, about 250. Okay, same. Oh, you know, exactly, exactly 250. Um, but mine didn't suck. But, okay. you know, I will tell you, it, maybe it didn't suck because I crushed it today. Um, after I had, Julie, listen, I had my first breakthrough in therapy today. What? Renee, that's wonderful. I know. So I was a little jarred this morning. Um, so it was not only a privilege for me to read this book called Marital Privilege, but I also got to learn how to do this accent. So it was an okay day overall. But I'm really curious. Why did your book suck? Were you not intrigued? I was not intrigued. I was not intrigued at all. So I'm going to tell you, I read a book called Body Search by oh. Jessica Anderson. And um, I'll tell you a little bit about Jessica Anderson. She, uh, so I'll just read you actually, there's a little bio in her book. So though she's tried out professions ranging from cleaning sea lion cages to cloning glaucoma genes, from patent <laughs> law to training horses, Jessica's happiest when she's combining all these interests with her first love, writing romances. These days, she's delighted to be writing full-time on a farm in rural Connecticut that she shares with a small menagerie and a hero named Brian. So if you want more information about Jessica Anderson, go to JessicaAnderson.com. My book was written in 2004. And although it does not say on the cover of the book, when you look on the inside, it says copyrighted 2004 by Dr. Jessica S. Anderson. She's obviously a marine biologist. Well, she obviously is very into science because this book is about a doctor, Dale Metcalf, who's a world-renowned outbreak specialist with Hospitals for Humanity. So already I was like, this feels too soon. (laughs) (laughs) And you were based in Alberta where COVID is truly off the chain. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the thing I wanted to tell you today. Um, It's insane here. And there are 
anti-mask protests everywhere at the hospitals where all of our ICU beds are tapped out and they're, they're canceling everybody's day surgeries. So, um, our premier gave us a lot of like, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Um, so all y'all should be wearing your masks. All y'all should be getting your backs. And if you don't do those two things, you don't get to listen to our show. Absolutely. hundred percent. This is a vaxxed, waxed and ready to chillax group or else GTFO. GTFO. So yeah, my book involved a. Oh, sorry. Um, No, no, no. I'm so sorry, Julie. Some people can't get vaccinations genuinely and um, you don't count. We love you. You can still listen to our show because I know that you would get it if you could. Absolutely. Um, If you would get it if you could, but your body won't let you, I allow it. If you and I, we will get ours to keep you safe. A hundred percent. I'm double vaxxed, ready to rock. So I will take good care of you by doing my own um, community care. But you can do your community care by getting vaccinated if you are able to. We are. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Oh my gosh! No, it had to be said because this book was about an outbreak specialist, and you're living in a province that has, like, I think less than half the population of Ontario, but three times the amount of cases. So I'm not happy about it. Well, in this case, this book, and this is why I hated this book, Renee. I'll just tell you from the jump. I hated it because it felt like a soap opera written by R.L. Stein. So (laughs) at the end of each chapter, it was like, an M. Night Shyamalan, like, what's going to happen next? Like, twist. And it was just so stupid. So, Dr. Dale Metcalf is a world-renowned outbreak specialist with Hospitals for Humanity, which is basically a take on, like, Doctors Without Borders. And he takes, from what I could tell, they're based in the U.S., and he takes work to, uh, he takes an assignment to Lobster Island. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the fucking reaction that lobster island deserves um which is a small island off of maine because there's been a shellfish poisoning uh, and i'm like at red lobster but no um so lobster island has a shellfish poisoning and it's killed a few people so he's requesting to go there it turns out he's requesting to go there because that's where he's from but he has told people that he's not that he's from this fancy upbringing in boston because he didn't want to tell people the truth which is that he's from this poor little island and that he's an orphan because his parents died in a suspicious boating accident and so he's got a lot of bad memories of Lobster Island. So he ran away, but is now wanting to go back and wants to go back alone because he knows people back home will recognize him and he doesn't want to have to explain to his colleagues, oh, hey, I lied to you. Well, despite his protests, he's assigned someone and her name is Dr. Tansy Whitmore, who happens to be his ex-girlfriend. That's a conflict of interest. Ofs, and they're like whatever whatever we'll just like we'll be professional but they're both very bitter towards each other remembering of course she has no idea that he's actually from there um and they fly like literally like they fly there on like a little like, you know those planes that like land on water and shit like one of those little ones cessna or tesna or whatever the fuck it's called anyways they fly there and the plane crashes <laughs> 
And then it turns out it's not a shellfish outbreak, but someone's been poisoning the water supply. Um, then at one point she has like a peeping Tom situation. Uh, they narrowly escape a fire. Like it's like she picked every single what could happen and threw it in a fucking book. And every chapter is some new thing that's like, what's going on in this island? Everything is sketch. Then um, there is a passage that I will read you um, where, oh God, anyways, they are end up because they fled this fire. They have to stay in a hotel and they have to share a bed and they end up, you know, pretending that it's going to be fine. And then they kind of make out and they're like, no, no, we can't. It's not good. Then in the middle of that, like, nah, um, he somehow has a light bulb moment and realizes the cure. Um, but then they're sabotaged again by storms, by sketchy developers who want to build on the island, but there's all this resistance and they seem really sketchy. Then the mayor dies, then the sheriff dies, and people are just dropping like flies on Lobster Island. Um, then he finds out that the guy, the, the, the person who's poisoning the water supply, turns out he is also who killed his parents. And, oh, he's been no. out, and he's been out to get him. So anyways, they get him, then they realize they need to be together, and they end up together the fucking end. It was oh. so Yeah. So a lot <laughs> happens, but like at a clip that just does not make sense. Um, and frankly, I was already not sold from the jump because it was on Lobster Island. <laughs> <laughs> we were at a party. <laughs> so um, I'm going to give it one out of five spicy lobster tails. Um, because oh, yum, there, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. Cause there was like vague references to fucking and there was like some clear tension throughout, but overall hated this book. It truly felt like if, yeah, if Arl Stein had written an episode of passions, do you remember that terrible soap opera with like a doll that comes to life? Oh my God. Yes. yes. Where it's like a oh small town where all this weird shit happens and it's not possible that all that weird shit could happen in that small town. You and I are from small towns. We know they're not that exciting. Um, well, okay. Speak like. for yourself. I mean, my your, small town had a serial killer. I was just going to say Morewood had a serial killer. I apologize. I take that back, but yeah. generally pretty uneventful, but no, not in this case. Lobster Island was happen. So not going to read that again. Not going to read it again. And you know what? I'm disappointed because in the past we've done um, like action intrigue, like romantic suspense. We've done romantic mm -hmm. suspense in the past and I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. But this one was like, it was just too much going on and none of it felt remotely realistic. And I could suspend disbelief for certain things, but it wasn't selling me on it. So anyways, I was body searched by Jessica Anderson. Do not recommend. Now... Tell me, take me to Wisconsin, Renee. Do it. Do it. Uh, are you are you ready? I don't know that I'm ready, but I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> um, so I was so for for listeners, I went to Value Village like I always do, and I noticed that there were a lot of themes for episodes that we could we could do. So I bought doubles of a bunch of books in like double themes. So I could send a big box to Julie and we've just kind of been picking through it. I know nothing about her books except what's on the cover. 
Um, and there's been two duds so far, but they were both Harlequin for you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. This was another Harlequin. It's like Harlequin yeah. and then their subgenre is called Intrigue. Yeah. Intrigue. Intrigue. And you know what? I mentioned last week that I was I, I was getting the feeling that Harlequin was too vanilla. It just, yes. you know. Like, why else would NASCAR work with Harlequin <laughs> if they couldn't keep it Christian, you know? Um, but mine have fucking. And mine had Ooh. murder. And mine Ooh. had it, everything that I look for in a book. Like, it was awesome. It was a great book. I'm so yeah, happy. It, yeah, there were a lot of things that made me very uncomfortable. And we'll get into that in a second. But um, my book was by... Um, author and Voss Peterson from Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> and she writes thrillers and paranormal thriller romance and all of that. Um, don't know if she's proud of this book because it's not mentioned anywhere on her website. Oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's not mentioned anywhere on her website, but her other books look really interesting. Like, I would read them. I would check them out. She has all she has one called Codename Chandler. I was like, oh. Bing? Chandler like, Bing? Chan- Chandler Bing, yeah. Rocky Mountain thrillers, paranormal romance sense, small town secrets, like, lots of cool stuff. And she does a lot of research, so there's pictures of her, like, at these little, like, police, like, get to know the police thing. And so you would think looking at her website that she's a big supporter of the Thin Blue Line, but I'll tell you, Julie, <laughs> one of the major themes of this book was ACAB. Oh! I just put it out there. Yes! Uh, no wonder you yeah. loved it. I loved it. So um, I'll read you my, the opening like the, about the author for mine because it's very similar to yours. So, Ever since she was a little girl making her own books out of construction paper, Anne Ross Peterson wanted to write. So when it came time to choose a major at the University of Wisconsin, <laughs> creative writing was her only choice. Of course, writing wasn't a practical choice. One needs to earn a living. Soul, and found jobs ranging from proofreading legal transcripts to working with quarter horses to washing windows. But no matter how she earned her paycheck, she continued to write. So she went through like all these things like yours. I love that. Yeah. Um, did I write down the names of my characters? I didn't need to because there's a list of the cast of characters at the beginning of my fucking book. Damn. Yeah. yeah. So my book is called Marital Privilege, and I was like, oh boy, here we go. And it's just got this like pregnant woman looking out at a boat on the water, and I was like, this could be anything. Um, and it was anything. So my book is, follows Alec Martin. And Alec Martin is in a bar one day, and he's kind of just, I don't know why he's in a bar, he's just drinking. He, uh, or he sells alcohol for a living to like bars and stuff. Maybe that's why. They never discuss why. So he's he's in this bar. He's looking at the TV, and um, the news is on, and it's saying something like, you know, somebody was murdered, and he can't really hear what's going on, but he sees the picture of this guy uh, called Tony Griggs, and he knows Tony Griggs because Tony Griggs was a U.S. Marshal. Um, he was retired, but he was a U.S. Marshal that helped get him into witness protection because Alec Martin is an Alec Martin. He is Nikolai Stanislav. <laughs> I love a, I love a Russian spy situation. Oh yeah, no, he's not a spy. He is the son of mob boss for the Russian mafia, Ooh. Ivan Stanislav. So 
right there, Julia was like, I can't do a Russian accent. I can't do it. And I was like, but it would be really funny if I found a page where the Russians and the Wisconsin people were talking at the same time. There wasn't a page though, thankfully. So I digress. So, <laughs> so Alex at this bar and he sees this, this, this guy that he knows has died and he's like, oh shit, oh shit, what does this mean? So he, he runs out of the bar and then he calls um, this guy called Wayne Bigelow. And Wayne Bigelow is a journalist that he knows from like back in the day. And Wayne's like, oh yeah, like your dad just got out of prison. And he's like, what do you mean he just got out of prison? And he's like, well, he just got out of prison. Like, how do you not know that? He's like, because I'm in witness protection. Um, so his dad and his like right hand man, whose name is Sergey, they are trying to find Alec and they needed to go to the U.S. Marshal to get intel. So Alec is freaking out because he's like, oh shit, they're coming. They take no prisoners. I got to get home to his wife who is seven months pregnant. Of course. So he rushes back and then he um, he goes to like the restaurant that she owns called the Blue Axe, um, the Blue Axe Cafe. Uh, so he, he runs to the cafe and the second he gets in, he smells something and he's like, what the fuck is that smell? It's natural gas. The entire restaurant is filled with natural gas. So he's running through trying to find Laura, Lara, his wife, and he's running through room to room, room to room. And then he's just, he starts to smell like coppery coagulated blood he's like oh shit people are oh, oh no so he's running through and he knows like all the staff has had their their throat slit and they've been like tied up with uh like zip ties and shit and their fingers have been broken and they're also like dead everywhere and he's like oh no 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 so he like runs to the kitchen and he like turns off like the the uh elements and shit but he's like, okay, my wife's not here. There's a note here. It says she wasn't feeling well. Um, she'll be in later. So she's not here. I got to go find her before Sergey and my dad find her because they take no prisoners. I don't know what they're going to do to her. So he runs outside and there's like other businesses around. So like he's like trying to get them to go like to evacuate people and there nobody's going. So he's like, it's a terrorist attack. It's terrorists. And so they're like, oh my God. So they like run away. And he's like, cool, I got everybody out. And of course, the building explodes. So he's like, there's explosions, there's murder, there's this, there's this. He runs home and he's like, oh shit. Oh, he doesn't even run home, Julie. He can't take a car anywhere, so he steals a bicycle. So here he is after just having survived an explosion, all like beat up and bloody. He's on his bicycle and he's running home. And then he sees like the nondescript SUV that his dad usually has and a guy on his porch of his house. And he's like, so he like has to get in there because he's like, I don't know what they're going to do to my wife. I'm so scared. And it turns out that um, they can't kill her because she's pregnant and his father wants that baby. And Sergey's like, we can just cut it out. And they're like, no, that's gross. And she's like, you're not touching my boy. You're not touching my baby. And he's like, shut up. So anyway, um, Alec, who doesn't believe in guns because he grew up in the mob, is like, Oh no, what do I do? I have no weapon. So he beats Sergey with a shovel, like in home alone. Whoa. And I thought that was so much fun. Um, but then we see like Lara gets really into like protecting her, her baby. And she's like, we need to get guns and stuff off these people. So she gets the guns and they head out the door and she's in her nightgown. And she's like, okay, what the fuck was that? And he's like, my name's not Alec Martin. It's Nikolai Stanislav. My father is like 
this big deal Russian mafia guy. He's like, she's like, he's like the Don. And he's like, yeah, he's like the Don. Um, and so he tells her all this, and she's like, well, why didn't you tell me this before we got married? He's like, well, I didn't, I didn't want to lose you. She, and she's pissed because she's like, you took away my consent. I had no idea that this is what was going on, and I didn't know that this could be putting me at risk. And now we're having a kid, and we're on the run. Like, fuck you. Like, we're over. Let's just survive this. Let's get to the cops. And he's like, I don't trust cops. And she's like, too fucking bad for you because I am the daughter of a cop, and I trusted my dad when he was alive. So I trust cops. And he's like, no, I called the cops when I smelled gas in the in the thing and, like, in your restaurant, and nobody showed up. Because my dad has paid off the cops. He's been paying off cops for years. Easy to pay him off. I don't trust cops. And she's like, no, we have to go to the police. And then it just, it becomes this thing where, like, they're on the run. They're just on the run. And, um, you know, they, they, Laura gets in, this idea in her head. She's like, well, we need to stop your dad. So we have to get evidence that he killed everybody. Um, so that it could be, like, a capital offense and that they'll, They'll give him like the, I don't know, death sentence or something. Um, so the whole thing is like they have to go to New York where this, um, where the marshal was murdered and they have to get evidence so that they can give it to this FBI agent. And that's the whole story. It's like they're running from people and they keep running into Sergey who's like, I'm going to murder everybody. Um, and in the end, like, they fuck, they fall in love again, and they have sex, they're with the FBI, um, Sergei leaves a body in a giant clown's mouth, um, at uh, an amusement park, and, uh, it's gross, but also funny, and, uh, and it turns out that the guy in the FBI that, um, that they had connected with, who was supposed to be, like, the head of the Russian mob unit, he's actually selling them out, because he's like, who's my family or yours? Um, and then there's like a big struggle and a big fight and um Alec ends up killing his dad because it's the only way to protect his family. And uh That's some that, Lannister shit. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It was I, I you know I will just go into every single teeny tiny detail of this book. Um not gonna do that. I didn't have the same like twist and turns like you did at the end of every chapter. Mine was really just like they run in. But here are some <laughs> of the predominant themes I can give you. This book, very ACAB. Like, very much like, don't trust. And at no point do the cops redeem themselves. So I was like, one point for Anna Voss Peterson. One point right there. Um, in fact, in my annotated version of this book, it just says ACAB like a thousand times. Um, it showed that this woman was like brave and like fierce and like there was no like if Anne's or butts about it, she's like, no, you fucking betrayed me and you took away my consent. So fuck you. I'm not with you anymore. But you know, they, they do get back together way later in the book. And it's kind of like after she's kind of learned the background of why he made the choices that he did. And she like starts to forgive him. So there's that. And the, like the cops never redeem themselves because like at the end of the day, the FBI shit sells them out. So you're like, hey. <laughs> now the, the thing that I found the most unsettling about this book was that because she's pregnant, they take Annavoss Peterson took great pains to just constantly any time Anna or Lara was in danger, it was like make sure you protect the baby, protect the baby. And at one point she's like, I had they brought me decaf coffee 
because caffeine's not good for the baby. And it's just like constantly like this baby, this baby. And then there's a sex scene. And I know that Ann Voss Peterson had sex as a pregnant woman when she wrote this. Because not only is it not sexy, it is so painfully honest about what it's like to have sex in the third trimester of your pregnancy. Oh, damn. Um, it's it's perfect that you her. read this. Yeah, it's perfect that you read this because I would not have known the accuracy of that. But you know from experience. I do know. Yeah, she's basically just like a beached whale on like lying on her side like let's just do this thing i guess i mean she's into it but it's just like okay like at no point does she lie down on her back like because she can't um but like yeah they just take these it's very it felt very pro-lifey that way that it was like you know the baby the baby baby but i mean there was a subplot that like they wanted to cut the baby out of her body you know uh, so i mean i get it but it's like i don't care I want to see this woman and this man take down the Russian mafia. I don't give a shit about her baby, but the characters did. So fair enough. Um, baby's born healthy and fine. fine. But they're always like, don't want, I've heard horror stories about premature labor. And then I was like, you have bigger concerns than premature labor. You have a <laughs> sociopath Russian mobster who wants to slit your throat and fuck your corpse. Like that's a bigger problem than them just taking it taking your fetus frankly <laughs> but that's me anyway this book was a lot of like very fast paced like non-stop i was able to speed read it because like nothing happens there's a couple character interactions that really aren't that consequential um but i do get the sense this is probably like one of her very early if not her first work um because it mentions nowhere in this book like how many books she's written but i know based on her website she's written over 30 so you know um, it was very well written. Um, the sex scene, like, it was graphic and spicy, but it wasn't, it wasn't attractive to me, particularly. Oh, okay, okay. I, I think if you have a fetish for pregnancy, then this is the book for you, where you can read about these pregnant, this pregnant woman fucking. However, if you are into pregnancy, and fucking, and that is your fetish. I would urge you to go listen to our Easter episode from 2021. That's I was going to say, if yeah. that's your jam, we got freaky pregnancy shit for you. We got it. <laughs> and um, if you want to go in slow, then read Marital Privilege by Anna Voss Peterson. I actually changed the title of this. I, was, I wrote a note where it says, Marital Privilege should be called White Male Privilege, because that's really... All that's going on in this book is like white men being like, protect your baby. I want your baby. I'm like keeping lies because they're like, I have daddy issues. Like, that's the whole book. But it was good. I didn't mind it at all. Not the best book I've ever read, but it was like from the second you start the book, it's like, boom. And you're just, and I love thrillers. Like, I love like mystery books. I love thrillers. I love that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm glad that there was something sexy in this book because otherwise it's not really a romance. And I think that's something that I'm seeing in a lot of the thrillers that I have been reading on the show is that the, the thrill and the suspense overshadows anything romantic in it. If you were to compare it to a traditional, like meet cute story or like lover, you know, enemies of lovers kind of thing. It's really, 
it's it's gonna be like a thriller book maybe with fucking you never know with harlequin could go either. yeah it truly can yeah and on that note i'm wondering if i should go first with my reenactment because it's pretty boring and it sounds like you are going to knock our socks off <laughs> i i'm 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 reading like a page and a half it's real short so if you want to get in there for us and give us a little, little i do only because i don't i don't feel like i feel like you're going to be a hard act to follow <laughs> So I feel like I should read my absurdity and then you can crush it. How's that sound? I mean, we all know listeners stop listening um, when you're done reading your reenactment. But I'm going to urge you no, listeners that no. I'm reading something. I'm reading something spicy today. So you don't want to miss it. Yeah, you don't want to miss it. You know what? Go first. Go first. No, Do it. You go first. I want to hear yours. I'm so excited to hear. Are you sure? Yeah, because I really, I, you're, you, so much happened. But please tell me before we start, are we on Lobster Island for this? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. We're okay. on Lobster Island. We have just escaped the fire. Okay. I am. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. So we're in a hotel sharing a bed with, with our exes. Um, and so they're sleeping and her stupid name, Tansy. What a name. <laughs> Tansy. Okay. Dr. Tansy. Dr. Tansy Whitmore is dreaming. So we're hearing it from her perspective. She's dreaming. And in her dream, she is in the Philippines um, and they're on a trip together. So this is like her thinking about... Can we about, get a dream sequence? Oh, it's a dream sequence that turns into an IRL situation. So... <laughs> okay. Who, okay, so this is what she's dreaming. Okay. Tangled together, not sure where one left off and the other began. They'd eaten little and slept even less, always waking to reach for each other once more. He would prop himself up on a pillow and gaze down at her with those glorious blue eyes. She would reach up and trace a finger along his dear stubbled cheek. In that last moment before their lips touched, their breasts would mingle and become one. Their hearts would beat in tandem and... And this was no dream, Tansy realized. Her eyes fluttered open, registering the gray light of pre-dawn and the shadow of a man above her. Then he closed the distance between them, or she did. It didn't matter, because in the next instant their lips touched and all rational thought, all rational thought fled. Never familiar, always new and potent. Dale's flavor slid across her tongue like I know! Dale's flavor slid across her tongue like an old friend and Tansy, half awake and needy after so many months, arched into the contact. The kiss, the kiss deepened immediately like a continued conversation without beginning or end, existing only in the now. She opened to him with a murmur, not knowing whether he was awake and not caring, only grateful, so grateful, to taste him again. To feel him wrap around her and draw her in to the one place where she felt safe and warm, so warm. He smelled of smoke, or maybe she did, and she pressed closer to him beneath the fine sheets, feeling the robe bunch behind her, leaving her legs bare to tangle with his. The rough hair against her skin was shocking. It chased the last of the sleep from Tansy's brain, which fired an urgent message of wrong. This was wrong. She started to pull away just as Dale jerked back. Damn! He left off the bed and stood, tucking his robe closed, though not before she glimpsed the hard, jutting flesh that had once been hers for the taking. I'm sorry. Tansy closed her eyes against the sight and the memory. A hot flush flooded her face, and she was glad she could he couldn't see her in the gray half-light. I'm sorry, too. I, I was sleeping, dreaming, wishing, wishing. I didn't mean it. When had lying become this easy? Yeah, Dale cleared his throat and took another step away from the bed. <clears throat> Me neither. Sorry. He pulled the blanket off the daybed, snagged a pillow, and tossed them on the floor. I guess sharing the bed was a bad idea. 
Guess so, Tansy rolled over onto her side so she wouldn't have to watch him wrap himself in the blanket and stretch it on the floor. Tears stung her eyes. She was too proud to let them fall, though her pride was growing brittle and thin. A tear broke free. Impatiently, she scrubbed at it with the corner of the sheet. The absence of the other pillow echoed hollowly against her back, making the empty side of the bed feel lonelier than it had in the past three months. Tans? His voice rose from the floor, accompanied by a rustle of movement. I really am sorry. I shouldn't have kissed you like that. I shouldn't have kissed you at all was the unspoken meaning. It galled her that he had so easily walked away from what they'd had together. Then again... That just went to show once how one-sided the relationship had been. She'd been hurt, and he hadn't. She wiped at her face again, then willed her voice not to tremble when she answered, It's my fault. I was dreaming about the Philippines. There was a long pause, and she felt even stupider than before. There was nothing more pitiful than admitting she'd been dreaming about him. And since they hadn't done anything besides make love on the island, he'd instantly know what she had been. That's it! Dale surged from the floor, a strange, robed figure with wild eyes. You've got it! Her treacherous, her traitor, traitorous heart sped to match his excitement and she sat up. What? Dale, what is it? The Philippines! Tansy, you're a genius! He strode to the door, opened it, and called down the hall. Frankie? Churchill? We need those clothes. Stat. We've got to get to the general store, then over to the motel. Dale! She snapped, confusion and excitement battling within her. What the hell are you talking about? He stopped in the middle of the room, a figure of sculpted beauty in a terry cloth robe. He lifted both... <laughs> He lifted both hands up as if to say, it's so simple. His smile reminded her of the day they'd found the source of the Teruvian outbreak, a villager who'd been selling turtles caught in an infected pond. He said, the Philippines, Tansy, coconut and brown sugar. She, <laughs> she felt the jolt all the way down to her toes, but it wasn't a sexual jolt this time. It was a lightning bolt of understanding. Coconut and brown sugar. It was the Philippines' native cure for paralytic shellfish poisoning so her sexy dream about fucking him in the philippines gives him a light bulb moment to realize the philippines has the cure for this shellfish poisoning and that is why i said this book is like a fucking soap opera (laughs) because he found the cure because of a sexy dream i Yep, that's oh what I read. God. I read 300 pages of that fucking nonsense. So I wanted to just, <laughs> I just wanted to get it out of the way because now you're going to hit us with some accents and some good times. But now you know why my book was shit. That's the entire oh. vibe of the book. That was the entire vibe. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. And I really hope, you know, your October is not going to let us down, Juliet. It hasn't yet. No. Oh my God. No, it's going to be, I think it's five weeks this year too. I think there's oh. five yeah, which means, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be, a, yeah, one, two, three. Oh, yeah, we got five coming up in October. So I'm finally going to get something good. I can feel it in my bones, but it has been uh, two bad weeks in a row for me. God damn. So tell us, marital privilege, what are you going <laughs> to read for us? I'm honestly just reading a quick little blurb about them having sex. Are you ready? Oh, fuck. Is she pregnant? Oh, seven months. Okay, okay. Like, she's real big, and they talk a lot about her nipples and how they real big and shit. So, <laughs> listen, I don't know if my nipples got that big when I was pregnant, um, but here we go. Okay. <clears throat> Nipping and suckling one nope. breast nope. and then the other. No, <laughs> no, nope. I'm already not okay. 
Okay, before I go on, I should say, I lived in a maternity home when I was pregnant with my son. Uh, you know this. Yes. The listeners know this now, but maybe somebody coming back is learning this. Um, I was a teenage mom, and that's why I'm not on the stage right now. But I digress. Um, <laughs> one of the things that they would do at the shelter, like, for fun, is, like, once they had their babies, they would shoot each other with their breast milk. And that's a fun fact. What? So, yeah, because you can just, like, psh, like shoot oh. it across the room. I guess that's what happens when you get a bunch of teen moms together. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they will... fucking pelt. They biff <laughs> each other with breast milk. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I apologize for interrupting. I just really yeah. was thrown by the nipping and sucking in the first sign, but I'm here for it. Yeah, so here we go. I'm sorry, I it's dark here and my eyes are real bad. Okay, let me start over. <clears throat> nipping and suckling one breast and then the other. He pushed pepperoni. <laughs> dog is not into this. Pardon me. Let her out. She just doesn't want to hear it. No, because she's like, I heard the nipping and the sucking and I'm already disturbed. Because I ran out of McNuggets. That's that's the real thing. Here we go. Last time. Nipping and suckling one breast and then the other, he pushed her maternity pants and panties down her legs and smoothed his hands over her belly. He couldn't believe how beautiful she was. How full with the life they'd created. Such a miracle. You're such a miracle. She combed her fingers through his hair, sending chills down his spine and fanning out over his skin. He lowered himself to his knees and lit her kisses over the firm roundness of her belly, soaking in her scent, nibbling her skin. Moving lower, he followed the stripe of smooth skin darkened by pregnancy that led from her navel to the hair between her legs. He wanted to taste her, be part of her, experience everything about her. He skimmed his hands up her sides and eased her down to a sitting position on the edge of the bed. Then he kissed lower, coaxing her to lean back to open her thighs until he could savor her. He teased her with his tongue, dancing over the most sensitive parts of her and then dipping deep. She was impossibly sweet as if pregnancy had ripened her, making her tender and delicious and mellow fruit. He gripped her open legs, pulling her close, devouring her. A moan rose to her lips and then a whimper. One shuddered, then another seized her body, sending her muscles into spasm. When her body finally relaxed, he worked his way back up to her lips. He cuddled her close, kissing her lips, her neck, her breast. She laid a hand on his chest, pushing him into a standing position. Night air cooled where her body had warmed. For a moment, he thought she was pushing him away, that she changed changed her mind, her heart. But then her hands moved up his thighs. She unbuttoned his jeans and lowered the zipper. Hucking her fingers under his waistband, she pushed both jeans and briefs down his legs. He sprang free, hard and urgent. She circled his tip with her tongue before taking him into her mouth. Warmth and wetness surrounded him. She moved her lips up and down his legs, sucking him, driving him to ecstasy, driving him mad. Finally, he gripped her shoulders, stilling her movement. I want this to last. I want to be inside you. Or, you know, jeez, I want you inside me, too. (laughs) Her voice was rough, husky, with a need of her own. Thank you so much. Oh, Um, my God. That's the only Wisconsin accent we get? I mean, let's see what else I got here. 
How about you keep the accent and you tell us what we're going to read next week? <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, well, next week we're covering orchards. Yeah, we're going to pick some apples. We're going to pick some apples in an orchard. <laughs> going to get some PSLs, get some Ugg boots, some nice infinity scarves, some plaid. Yeah, just a little, like, Han Solo look, you know. Oh, I love yeah. it. I, I don't it. think that I really got to do my accent there as much as I wanted to, but that's okay. Um, just know that I worked hard on it. <laughs> it's so good. Well, the fact that you started it with the intro and I knew right away where you were tells me and tells should tell you that you done good, friend. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome, Renee. You're so welcome. Um, That was... I'm really glad yours was good, Renee, honestly, because... I just assumed yours would be terrible because mine was so bad and they're in the same, you know, same vein, but. You know what? Harlequin has a way of just pushing me away. And then, <laughs> you know what? They just reel me back in, not unlike a bad ex. So, Harlequin, you know what? It's not too bad. Not too shabby. <laughs> you got me. You got me this time, bud. You got me. And oh, geez. Oh, geez. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, jeez, bud, you got me this one. I'm really happy for oh, you, yeah. truly. Thank you so much. Um, but I am excited for Orchards next week. Um, I don't, I don't know what we're gonna find. Um, but let's do our best to just find the best of the best. I will not be reading an actual novel next week. I don't have an Orchard book in my repertoire. Um, it's gotta be short. It's gotta be sweet, not unlike an apple. Um, and you know what? I actually grew up. Uh, nearby the town where the Macintosh apple was invented. Really? Yeah, there's a place called Macintosh, Ontario, and that's it's like a one a one horse town. Like you just drive through, but the guy Macintosh invented the Macintosh apple, which is a feat. Let's be real; it is a feat to create a new fruit. Frankly, um, but he did it, and they named a town after him. Uh, but don't blink on your way through. Also, the Macintosh apple is not great. Oh my god, I was just about to say Macintosh is my favorite apple. So, oh really? Oh my god, hundred percent. Give me, give me gala, give me gala every day of the week. But also like a crisp Granny Smith. Oh, with that's, some cheddar. That's oh. what I was gonna say. I was just about to say. I'm like, to me, it's the it's it's Macintosh top shelf. Then it goes Granny Smith and exactly that. Even now, because I'm allergic to animal protein, even vegan cheddar with a slice of green with a slice of Granny Smith, fuck me all the way up. And then I'll go for other types. I I just like a like I like a crunch in my apple. And that's yeah. what I love about Granny Smith and about Macintosh, is they get a good crunch. I like I don't like galas are too soft for me. I don't like a soft just- I don't like a soft apple. They're a well-rounded flavor. It's not tart. It's not bitter. It's not a fucking red delicious. With oh, those, I like love most red obscure. No, it's it's like when you have a field cucumber and the skin is just like so thick. It's just like you can't get past it. You yeah. know, that's an apt comparison. I will accept that. You're right. And I get the, one of those weekly food boxes from a local farm, and local farms in Canada largely grow those like yeah those yeah. field cucumbers that. You basically have to peel in order to eat because they're not, it tastes like you're eating like the wrapper or something. <laughs> yeah, it's super waxy. And you know what? Um, what when I was still back in Ontario, um, 
I was visiting a friend, a mutual friend of ours, and they served me cucumbers with the air field cucumbers and the and the rind oh. was still on and you know what we're not friends anymore. And I think that was a sign. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm sorry. Not sorry. Um I love a good field cucumber though. Like the inside, the innards. Fuck yeah. me up with some of those big seeds. Yes. Ugh, no. No. You don't no. like it? I'll like seeds of cucumber? I'll eat them. And I do every week because I've been getting them in my food box, but they're not my preference. I love an English cucumber. Love sure. English. Yeah. I'll I mean, English. Yeah. Colonial cucumbers are really <laughs> the staple cucumber. Um, there's just something, something really precious about a field cucumber. But I feel like, you know what? Maybe we're, I, I'm, I'm tackling this a week early and we just put a pin in this in, in the produce of the fall. And come back to it next week. What do you say? Absolutely, because I'm going to spoil something for folks and let them know. Renee does not enjoy most fruit. And so I just need you all to know. Yeah, all fruit other than gala apples, apparently. So truly understand how generous Renee is by letting us do an entire week about fruit. Because I've never met a (laughs) human who hates fruit more than Renee. So next week, we're going to talk about apples. We're going to talk about, hopefully some sexy times in an orchard, but I feel like orchards is going to be a lot of rom com type. Like, yeah, like hipster. Cause the assumption is I hate the term basic bitch, but like basic bitches go pick apples and then ask their Instagram boyfriends to take pictures of them. So I'm very curious to see what direction things are going to go in next week, but you're going to want to join us. And as usual, you're going to want to follow us on socials, Instagram and Twitter, because we're going to post the covers of our books. And mine this week is, whoo, I mean, why is this man shirtless but has a gun in his waistband? That's an excellent question. Excellent question that I can't solve for you. Um, But you'll see it for yourself by heading to our socials. So do that. And next week, we're going to do Orchards. And then if you are new to the show, October is usually when we crush the best books so five mm-hmm. episodes in october this year you're not and who knows me. there might be an instagram live there might be some after hours there could be anything happening this october yeah because iroctober does not stop iroctober no. is every year it's a state of mind it's not just a month it's a state of mind <laughs> absolutely. absolutely um and julie i'm also going to tell you real quick as somebody yeah. who grew up with like in the orchard um community there's more <laughs> to orchards than just apples and fruit don't like get corn it mazes and twisted. Shit? we got corn mazes we got pumpkins we got jack-o'-lanterns we got pick your own <laughs> we got haunted wagon rides we got haunted houses we got little halloween villages there's a lot happening at an orchard um and i would caution you to just remember that okay okay i have been told and i am taking that note thank you for that thank you you know i actually might reach out to one of our listeners slash um my other sister from another mother because um they grew up next door to an orchard the very orchard the very same that you and i have gone to julie so i might reach out to them for some orchard stories see if they have any maybe oh maybe they want to be on the show Ooh, can't wait 
I'll See? find out. This is why you got to listen to every week because we take you in all kinds of different directions. Last week was NASCAR. Today's intrigue. Next week it's going to be orchards. Then it's going to be weird, slutty Halloween things. We are always taking you on adventures. Back. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I just I can feel like my power growing <laughs> the closer we get to October. Um, and we're Spooky season big. is your season. Absolutely. My time to shine. Like maybe we just need to do two episodes a week. I don't know, but um, <laughs> you know what? I am done being intrigued today. Oh, same. So, same. My love, my angel, my everything. <clears throat> you ready? Oh hell's yeah, I'm ready. I will sing you out, baby. Yeah. Ravage love, ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS the number two J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.